episode number 116, Don't Stop Believing by Journey. One of the most famous songs ever written, it was composed by Steve Perry, Neil Sean, and Jonathan Cain. Only Don't Stop Believing and Bohemian Rhapsody are the only two songs to reach 1 billion streams on Spotify. Before we start the analysis, I would like to quote from Song Facts. Journey's most enduring song, this track has a unique structure which, which helps it stick in your mind. Where most songs have a chorus that's repeated several times, Don't Stop Believing brings in the chorus and title only at the end. The structure goes instrumental, first verse, instrumental, second verse, First pre-chorus, instrumental, third verse, second pre-chorus, instrumental, and then finally the chorus until it fades out. The introduction. <clears throat> the introduction is eight measures long, and the song is in the key of E major, 4-4 four, four time, moderate rock beat, quarter note equals 120 beats per minute. The chords in the key of E major are the one chord is E, the two chord is F sharp minor, the three chord is G sharp minor, the four chord is A major, the five chord is B major, the sixth chord is C sharp minor, and the seventh chord is D sharp diminished. The entire song, except for the pre-choruses, is built on the progression E, B, C sharp minor, A, E, B, G sharp minor, A. Now the first half of that, the first four measures, E, B, C sharp minor, A, is 1, 5, 6, 4. In the last 35, 40 years, this is the most used progression in popular music. The second half, E, B, instead of C sharp minor, they use G sharp minor, the three chord instead of the six chord. Let me play those chords for you now. E major, the one chord. B major, the five chord. C sharp minor 7, the 6th chord, A major, the 4th chord, back to E, the 1 chord, B, the 5 chord, G sharp minor, the 3 chord, A, the 4 chord. We notice how on the C sharp minor 7th, the 6th chord, which is C sharp minor, they add the 7th. The 7th is an extension of a chord, adding color to the chord. For more on added note chords, please see episode number 20. As with most introductions, it sets the tonality, time signature, tempo, and overall feel and mood of the work. In addition, important elements that will permeate the song becoming melodic, harmonic, and rhythmic hooks that pull the listener into the work. The first important element which becomes a hook is the chord rhythm. Now, there are two layers of chord rhythms in a song. First of all, how long each chord is held for. In this song, it is one measure each, four beats. The second rhythmic layer is how the chords are played, which then becomes the harmonic rhythmic hook. In this case, we have the chords rocking back and forth. We hear this over the bass line, which in this song really becomes an important hook. The bass line connects the root of each chord with a strong, memorable, counter melody. This is an example of the role of any good bass line, linking the harmony to the rhythm. 
layering a foundation connecting the chords to each other, fusing two of the musical elements, harmony and rhythm. With computer programs and social media, songwriters today can make their own songs, a demo, or even a finished product, and then publicize it. So it is important for all songwriters to know how to add these different layers in. If you are interested in learning how to create bass lines, please check out episode number 36 and episode number 57 for hooks in music. I will play a little of the bass line now slowly so we can hear it. Verse number one. The music of the introduction now becomes the background of the verse. Steve Perry's voice soars in in a high register, one of the most amazing voices in modern music. As just mentioned, the music of the introduction is continued into the verse with one exception. The bass line still introduces the chords, however, it is scaled back as not to interfere with the vocals. As I have stated in previous episodes, each layer of the arrangement, the melody, harmony, and rhythm, must work unto itself while working but not interfering with the other elements. Here we hear the bass line similar to the intro but altered slightly as not to interfere with the melody. I like to use the example of Quincy Jones' arrangements for Michael Jackson. You can hear each layer so perfectly, make so much sense musically, but they all work together. In the verse, there are three phrases. The first phrase is, just a small town girl. We notice a melody mostly comprised of chord tones and an occasional non-chord tone. As highlighted extensively in previous episodes, chord tones are consonant while non-chord tones exhibit various degrees of tension, shades of light to dark. The interplay of consonants and dissonance are the driving forces in music. For the lyrics just A, we have G-sharp and E, and they are chord tones against the E chord. For small town, we have two F-sharps against the B chord, also chord tones. For girl, the sixth of the B chord, creating a B-sixth chord. Notice when I play it slowly how the last note on girl, although not really dissonant, it seems above the chord, a different color, so to speak. In the second phrase, I think we see a perfect example of this. The lyrics are, living in a lonely world. Living in a... We have four E's, the third of the C-sharp minor seventh chord. For the end of the phrase, for the lyrics, lonely world, we see something very interesting. For lonely, we have two high B's, the highest notes of the verse, against an A chord. This is the ninth. It then, for world, moves down to the G-sharp, the major seventh. Now these two notes are very, very expressive notes. The phrase ends, he slides down to the note F sharp, the sixth of the chord on world. I will play these slowly and we can hear the emotion. 
I realize at a fast tempo, this is not heard, but I do believe it is felt. Phrase three, she took the midnight train going anywhere. This phrase opens with the interval of a major sixth, B to G sharp, for the lyrics she took. Any lyric supported by a large interval underscores and highlights the meaning of those lyrics. In episode number 39, I discussed the importance of certain lyrics and intervals. Here, I will play the interval B to G sharp for She Took. Opening with a certain interval is what makes a song memorable. My favorite example is the octave leap, eight notes, in Somewhere Over the Rainbow. Now we enter the second verse. The lyrics are, just a city boy born and raised in South Detroit. He took the midnight train going one more time. So much has been written about this song. One fact is there is no South Detroit. That would actually be Canada. Harry explained that the song originated dur during a series of gigs in Detroit where he found himself in a hotel room unable to sleep, staring out the window. In his own words, he said, I was digging the idea of how the lights were facing down so that you couldn't see anything, he recalled. All of a sudden, I see people walking out of the dark and into the light, and the term streetlight people came to me. So Detroit was very much in my consciousness when we started writing. The second verse repeats the music of verse 1 with new lyrics. What is noticeable is that the syllables line up exactly. Before verse 3 enters, we hear the eight measures of the introduction. After the first four measures, the guitar enters with a figure that grows in speed, dynamics, and intensity, creating excitement and anticipation into verse 3. We hear this technique in all forms of music, whether it be classical, music for the movies, adventure, whatever it may be. As a section enters, the orchestra or whatever, maybe the violins will play a fast run into it, or the dynamics will grow. This technique of introducing a section with a dynamic buildup is common to all forms of music. Sometimes the opposite works too. You pull back. This will have the same effect. Beethoven was a master of this, creating the unexpected. Now we move into verse 3. The lyrics are, a singer in a smoky room, the smell of wine and cheap perfume. For a smile, they can share the night. It goes on and on and on and on. In verse 3, we notice the new lyrics have more syllables than before. The basic melody is still there, but it requires more notes to support these new lyrics. In the last two measures, we see an extension with the lyrics on and on and on and on. This is the introduction to the pre-chorus, or it could even be thought of as a refrain. This is a section after a verse which contains the same lyrics, sort of a hook within the song. Here we see a real buildup. The drum enters and the bass line changes into the pattern which will be used in the pre-chorus, creating a smooth transition. Now the pre-chorus enters, exploding with a driving rhythm. 
As is common practice, the pre-chorus stands out due to new elements creating excitement and change. For the first time, the chord progression is altered. Instead of one chord per measure, now we have two chords per measure, two beats each, featuring this rhythm. The chords are B to A, the 5 to the 4 chord. We hear that twice, then we have B to E twice, that would be the 5 chord to the 1 chord. This is heard above the driving eighth notes of the bass line and the drum beat, and with the forte dynamics. This section is eight measures long, and we hear it twice. The lyrics for the first time are, strangers waiting up and down the boulevard, their shadows searching in the night. The lyrics that Steve Perry thought of as he saw the people walking below his hotel room. As it repeats with the same music, we hear street light, people living just to find emotion, hiding, searching in the night. After the pre-chorus, we hear four measures of the introduction instead of the original eight. With its distinctive piano and bass hooks, this leads us back to the last two verses, numbers four and five. We hear that pre-chorus one more time, and then we hear Neil Sean's guitar solo over the chords of the introduction and verses. And then, as those chords continue, we hear the chorus. As mentioned earlier, this is very unusual to have the chorus only appear at the end of the song. Usually it's heard in the middle and then, of course, repeated at the end as the uh, outro hook. But in this song, all has built up to this point. And this is a perfect chorus in that we hear the title. Actually, we hear the title for the first time. Don't stop believing, hold on to the feeling, streetlight people. And as with most songs, it keeps repeating and repeating and fades out. If you get a chance on the internet, there's so many interesting stories relating how this song was created. For instance, Jonathan Cain was feeling really low about his career when he talked to his father, and his father gave him that advice, don't stop believing. How the song came together in a warehouse as they were rehearsing together. It has been used in movies, television shows, in the last episode of the TV show The Sopranos, which aired June 10, 2007, Tony Soprano plays this song on a jukebox during the final scene. The episode ends abruptly with the lyrics, Don't Stop, as the scene cuts to black, at which time a lot of people thought something happened to the TV and were very upset, didn't realize it was done on purpose. It is played often at countless sporting events. The list goes on and on. I'd like to read you something from Song Facts that I also feel strongly about. Believing in yourself and following your passion are ideals Steve Perry holds dear. When Randy Jackson, who used to play bass with Journey, was a judge on the show American Idol, he asked Perry to come as a guest judge. Perry turned him down saying, I don't feel good about sitting in judgment of anyone's honest passion to perform or their talent. If someone has a passion to perform, they should do it no matter what anyone says. A beautiful thought. As we have seen in this analysis, there are so many techniques and ideas that anyone can use. 
I'd like to leave you with this quote by Keith Richards of the Rolling Stones. Music is a language that doesn't speak in particular words. It speaks in emotions. Thank you so, so much for listening. Take care. Joe.